Hey, y'all, you're listening to episode 41 of Eco Chic, a podcast all about practical science and sustainability. My name is Laura Diaz, and I recently earned a master's degree in climate science and solutions. And Eco Chic is a fun place to talk about things like general climate change education or personal sustainability efforts. So things that are not necessarily common knowledge, but totally, totally should be. I'm really excited to be coming at you now six times a month if you haven't heard our previous announcements. And I'm really excited to be bringing some really, really cool conversations to EcoChic coming up in the next few months. I hope that you enjoy this episode of EcoChic. If you've enjoyed us in the past, please go ahead and leave a review and a rating. It's the easiest, easiest way to support the podcast. It literally takes two seconds. You can do it right here on the app while you're listening. Like, please just do me a favor. They say something like 3% of podcast listeners actually leave ratings and reviews. And like, I don't want to be 3%. I want us to be way, way higher because you guys are just like such a good community and I appreciate you so much. And speaking of being a really good community, one of my favorite ways to say thank you is doing a lot of giveaways. So I've been hosting some giveaways over on the Eco Chic Podcast Instagram page. And I currently have one going on right now for a really, really cute, durable, reusable bag by Crescent Bags. I was very thankful to partner up with them to give away one of their limited edition bags. That is super cool because it folds up really teeny. So I like to always just have one in my purse or my backpack or wherever it may be because you never know when you're going to run into a reusable bag situation when you need one because I don't want to accidentally acquire plastic if I don't have to. So if you're interested in that, today is Tuesday and the giveaway runs until next Sunday. So you have five more days to enter that if you're interested. Again, the Instagram handle is at Podcast. I think that's all for announcements today. I feel like I just had a couple things to say, but also I just want to say thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. So today, to get into it, I'm having a really fun conversation with Nora Shopper. I originally connected with Nora because I found High Bar, this new solid shampoo bar company, and I was so, so interested in learning more about High Bar because they are salon quality shampoo and conditioner in a solid form. So I actually, in the past, I'm going to be honest, as someone who wants to live a low impact lifestyle, I'm really not into the solid shampoo situation, really. But something that I enjoyed so much is that they did put in the time to make salon quality hair products in a solid form, plastic free, and the packaging is totally plastic free. And the more I learned about High Bar, the more interested I was with in just like learning more about Nora specifically, because I also found out just via a little bit of emailing back and forth, that Nora is also the founder of Bodylish, which is a totally natural body care company, which I'm so, so interested in. It's like a smaller scale Lush, which she does talk about a little bit in the conversation. But ultimately, I just wanted to talk to her about just being a woman in the entrepreneurial space and also just how to start two like totally eco-friendly, eco-conscious companies that have totally different models. So the idea with High Bar is that everything is solid and super well-preserved, plastic-free, et cetera, et cetera. And then the model with Bodylish is that everything is natural and refrigerated and comes straight to your door from the farm. She does say at one point in the interview, farm to face, which I really, really loved. And it's just so interesting that she was able to start two totally different, totally eco-conscious small businesses. And I'm really, really excited for y'all to hear. I'm so interested in the idea of eco-chic as a business. So not being just eco-chic as a movement, you know what I mean? Being a business model, making sustainability really attractive and affordable and accessible to a lot of people. And that's something that I'm really passionate about. And it was so interesting to be able to talk to Nora and hear her background and how she got into these two very different brands. And it was ultimately like a really interesting learning experience for me. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I'm sorry to ramble on. Nora Shopper. 
thank you so much, Nora, for taking the time today to chat with me a little bit. Yes, thanks for giving me an opportunity to talk with you. <laughs> uh, before we get into our talk today about women and sustainability and entrepreneurship, I was hoping that you could introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. My name is Nora Shopper, and I call myself an eco-entrepreneur. Um, I've been uh, starting businesses since, uh, actually, Bodylish has been my business for 20 years this spring. And I've recently launched a new business called High Bar which was launched um, October of 2018, so just a few months ago. Very exciting. So how? what's your background? Like, how did you end up an entrepreneur? Did you go to school for this? Were you trained formally? Um, I wasn't. I actually am a corporate escapee. So my um, education was in economics, which, you know, didn't end me up in any economics jobs. What it ended me up doing is I was in different businesses. I started in insurance, and I ended up in communications for insurance. So um, I did that for full time while I was also starting what um, Bodylish and doing that Bodylish part time. And I realized, you know, how much having when we had kids, I got married and my husband and I were doing the business together. And then we really wanted some flexibility to uh, raise our kids. And it was really hard to do with two people working full time. So I decided to pursue Bodylish full-time and then ended up doing communications, leaving corporate, and then doing my business full-time. So that's really exciting. That's like an interesting kind of turn of events, you know, going from a job in insurance, corporate America, to running your own eco-beauty brand. So I was hoping we could talk a little bit about Bodylish. You know, how did it get started? What gave you this idea? Well, the idea, so my husband, um, he and I really thought of this together because he grew up on a farm and he they had like um basically agriculture entertainment business it was an apple farm and they'd have people out every fall for picking apples and so he had a really entrepreneurial mindset anyway and um i had studied in france and learned about essential oils and about eating for beauty and kitchen made beauty products because that was um really the way i saw it done in um, France. And so we came back and the combination of the two of us, he was like, oh, we should make soap. We should make bath bombs. So I started just fiddling around with bath bombs using essential oils and gave them out as friends to, I have two sisters. We gave them out as gifts. And then people started saying, wow, I love this stuff. I Can I buy some? And my husband from his kind of perspective of farm stand was like, yeah, let's make this a business. So that started back in 1999. And at that time, we had heard of Lush. And Lush actually wasn't in the United States yet. It was based out of the UK. And they had stores in Canada. And at this time, Lush was, you go in there, and all the products were fresh on ice made with like vegetables and you'd take it back to your hotel room and put it in the refrigerator. So I was like, that is a brilliant concept. Why do we need, you know, let's go straight farm to face and, you know, figure out how to make these products and sell them that are using backyard ingredients and kitchen ingredients. So it was really the combination of the farm background and the business 
aspect of it and then the you know food and beauty and it kind of led to bodylish that's so exciting so was there like an initial you said you started off with bath bombs you were thinking about the idea of lush and farm to face face type (laughs) products i think that's a really good description of it i think that Especially like even just taking a natural like face mask out of the refrigerator and putting it on my face. I feel like that is something that's a little bit more grounding in a sense than just a tube of a face mask or something like that. Uh, But what I wanted to ask you was if there was any sort of like flagship product. You did say you started off with bath bombs. Yeah, which is so funny because now uh, you could buy bath bombs anywhere. They're not all the same quality. I have to add that. But uh, back then, there really weren't very many bath bombs. And they, I actually called them tub truffles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they were these hard little, they looked like little candies. And that uh, graduated to like these round bombs that are full of different um, skin softening and therapeutic. You know, they can help fight colds. So I think the bath bombs were probably our first launch into body care. But that led to so many. I was like, we can make benefit-based products, you know, that you take a bath and you get, it helps you respiratory or, um, you know, it helps you relax or it helps you balance. So that's when we it, we started taking off and formulating a bunch of different recipes for different different remedies. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to, again, farm to face type products, remedies, things of the sort, what are like some challenges that come around creating those kinds of personal care products? Well, um, preservation of the product. So making sure it doesn't grow mold every time, anytime you're making something for the bathroom, if water can get exposed or dirty hands can get exposed, then, you know, so coming up with formulas that we can make that have a shelf life and won't go bad right away. So that really does limit. Anytime you add water, you have to add a preservative. And I really didn't want to add anything chemical because ingredients were my most critical component. So I just had to think, how can I make this without adding water or making it so that, you know, including an essential oil that would help fight any kind of bacteria growth or even honey, you know, it turns out that there are a bunch of natural ingredients that you can use to uh, maintain the shelf life of your product. So there are definitely challenges there. And then distribution, you know, figuring out how do I get this fresh product into people's hands and get it used up, you know, within six months or so. Yeah, absolutely. And I could definitely see preservation as being a main issue. Ingredient sourcing, I have to imagine, like throughout the year, some ingredients might change if you're looking for really specific things. And yes, sourcing, distribution. And even um, so essential I could... oils. Uh, mm-hmm. So those are all small batch produced. They're made from real plant materials. So if there's a lemon, if, if Florida freezes and there isn't a good lemon harvest, then essential oil for lemon is harder to get. So and right. a lot has changed in sustainability even of essential oils over the last 20 years since we've been in business. So sandalwood used to be really easy to get. And now sandalwood tree takes 15 years to grow to the point where you can harvest. And, you know, it's a lot more expensive and questionable, you know, if you want to keep using that. 
I have heard that about sandalwood. Yes, I have heard that about sandalwood. And I think that the idea of essential oils being produced in a small batch is really important because I think about that a lot if I'm like at a TJ Maxx or something like that. And I see big batches of um, particular like clean beauty products, essential oils, things of the sort. And it does kind of get me thinking about where did it come from? How did it end up here? Right. And that is one of the big, um, another challenge for being in the body care industry, especially in the natural, being a natural product, because uh, companies don't have to claim all of the ingredients if they just list it as fragrance. So you can, that's where phthalates are hidden and um, negative ingredients can be hidden in a fragrance. So some of those TJ Maxx products, uh, not all their ingredients, honestly, are listed on that product. They're not required to show what's in their fragrance compound. So Fragrance is something that always gets me when I hear about the fragrance loophole of what you do not have to list. That yeah. just kind of, I feel so, I feel played, honestly. I feel tricked as a consumer. Well, and that's a big point for sustainability because as a consumer, you know, your your dollars are voting. So you really have to carefully look at what you're buying and say, is this packaging, does this fit with my lifestyle? Do these ingredients fit with my lifestyle? Do, do buying it from TJ Maxx fit with my lifestyle? You know, those are important choices that you're making. Absolutely. I think those are all really good questions to kind of ask yourself as a consumer when you are making these just day-to-day uh, body care decisions, even just like grocery decisions. Do I care about where my food is coming from, if it's natural, if it's organic, X, Y, and Z? Um, so I think that it's really important to kind of put all of these sustainability ideas into practice. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, and also that if you're buying certain things, then those companies know that they're doing it right, you know, or or you're basically reinforcing. So as a natural company, you know, it's hard to compete with someone who's putting bad stuff in there. Uh, we're, we're trying to be open and honest with our ingredients, but the consumer is really the one that is, is enforcing that. I get tons of emails from people who are like, I saw this and I had a question about this ingredient. Is it sustainably sourced or, you know, so I know those consumers are out there and they're reading the labels, <laughs> which is fantastic. I think that's really, really powerful. Yeah, that's very powerful. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, Nora, I was hoping that we could talk a little bit about High Bar. Yeah. So before I started recording the call, I told you I was so interested in High Bar because it is a really beautiful salon quality product that you are marketing in a very stylish way. So I was hoping we could talk about High Bar. Like, Excellent. what yeah. is, what's the deal with solid shampoo? Well, you know, solid shampoo, it, it's honestly, it's not a, a new concept. It's been out there for a long time, but the formulas that we've come up for with High Bar is new. So what I'm saying is that if you look out there at the solid shampoos on the market, most of them are actually lye-based soap that are marketed as shampoo. And in the last, you know, 15 or 10 years, there's been a lot of changes in, in science to ingredients. We've worked for two years to formulate a salon quality uh, shampoo. It's just like a salon bottle without water, which are is totally different than lye. It's a different pH. It's a, a different product entirely than a soap shampoo. And that's only possible because in the last 15 or so years, there's been a lot of changes in ingredients. 
So high bar is natural, but they're science ingredients. So they have more um, names that don't look as natural as, you know, honey or coconut, but they're all natural ingredients, which is kind of an interesting new approach. Absolutely. And so when it comes to preservation of something like a solid shampoo, are there challenges with that that are similar to the products that we previously discussed? You know, honestly, in this time, there aren't because the ingredients, we're not adding any water to the formula. So the only hazard is when it's in your shower, you know, and you introduce water there. Um, so there's the possibility of it being in contact with water and growing a mold, but actually not in the product which is really neat. So when you're not, when you're formulating without water, it, it changes the entire perspective. So this is a totally different product line, which makes total sense to me than your original Bodylish products. Exactly. Yes. But uh, what's interesting is that the researching ingredients for bath bombs led us to learn these new ingredients that we're now using in the salon quality shampoo, which is really fun too. But the business mod, it is a totally different product than what I'm making, that we're, what we're doing with Bodylish, which is kind of fun, too. We're really expanding our knowledge base here. Absolutely. So when it comes to a totally different product, there must be different challenges associated with something like a solid shampoo. And I feel like maybe one of the basic things that we could tackle um, that I would love to just chat with you a little bit about. Some people are very intimidated, in a sense, from like just thinking about normal shampoo versus a solid shampoo yeah. or mainstream shampoo, we can call it. So what are some of the challenges around even just education about solid shampoo? Um, what are the, like some of the packaging considerations you have? Well, that's what's interesting too, is so one of the things we considered is um, the shape. So I don't know if, if you've seen high bar shape, but it's very unique. And it's actually, we, we sculpted clay for this. This was one of the hardest decisions. So Bodylish is just my husband and I. And so decisions happen so easily. High Bar is actually four co-founders. And all four of us are uh, super passionate about the part of the business that we're doing. So um, coming up with a unique shape was important. And part of that was so it didn't look like soap. And it didn't look like, you know, we wanted it to go on the shelf next to a shampoo bar and take up the same amount of space, you know, basically, so that um, they wouldn't try to stuff us somewhere else on a grocery shelf. So there were different um, ways of looking about looking at this than other products just to make it stand out as more of a shampoo than, you know, a soap that you can use in your hair. Very interesting. And I think that's interesting to think about where it is ending up on a shelf, like you said, that it's not just another grocery product. Right. So could we talk about like that, like that distribution aspect of a solid shampoo bar? Sure. Actually, the distribution aspect, it's turning out that, um, you know, that's really cool because we, we did formulate it as a solid. Um, but as I said, we wanted it to be able to sit on a shelf and compete with a shampoo bar and take up the same amount of space for your eye. So we worked with a designer um, to make sure the package is not excess packaging. So the way we're packaging is that we're putting, we're wrapping the solid shampoo in uh, wax paper, around wax paper, so it's not sealed or anything. And then it's sitting in a box that's kind of a little bit of an A-frame or a triangle. 
So it holds it, its shape in there tightly, but it stands vertically. Hmm. And, and that's really cool. It, it actually ships. We found shipping boxes that fit two products because we off our website, we sell it as a set. So um, you can buy it individually, but most people are buying the sets of shampoo and conditioner and it fits in a box perfectly with no space for paper. And the box folds and doesn't even need tape. So we've been super careful about our packaging and even in the, up down to the shipping to making sure, you know, it says low waste as possible. Wow, that's it, very, very impressive. Not even to need tape. Exactly. So we use a shipping label to close the package. So we don't use any tape or anything on the product, which eliminates actually quite a bit of waste. And that the it really having bodylish and learning, you know, all the parts that you need has benefited high bar immensely. It's it's like really fun because bodylish was every, you know, figuring out how to solve the problem day by day. And then we've come to high bar with all this knowledge and experience, and you can just design it the way it needs to be. So it's, it's been really a neat, um, fun for me. It's like, you know, having a second child almost, and you get to have the, the knowledge of what you've been through, but uh, try it on something new. But. I think that's a really great way to describe it. Take like the knowledge that you already have and dedicate it to a new project. And then kind of on that subject, just kind of out of curiosity, honestly, um, you did say that High Bar is for co-founders yes. versus Bodylish. That was you and your husband. So what kind of made you realize that you needed other people involved? Or was there like a big um, you know, like gap the, in your knowledge? No, the funny thing is, is that my husband and I, Jay, were planning on... Um, formulating it under Bodylish. And we went to a party and met a couple of our friends. And it was a New Year's Eve party a few years ago. And I was telling, you know, we were telling our friend, we're, we're so excited. We're, we're, we're trying to do this no plastic thing. And we're going to start formulating all sorts of products, no plastic. And he was like, you know, got a, a straight face and was listening so carefully. And the next day he called me and he said, you know, I, 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 my heart is really in this. I want to reduce plastic waste. And I can't believe I had that same idea. And I'd love to partner with you. And then we were partnering with another friend who actually, so Dion, this is the friend that we um, said, it's my heart. I really want to reduce plastic. He uh, is in marketing. And so we had already uh, tapped another friend to help us with Bodylish on this new launch um, of no plastic. And he had just sold a pet food business in manufacturing. So they manufactured, manufactured it. And then um, and he had free time and he was such a good business knowledge. So Jay and I were like, oh, my gosh, this is ideal because where we fall down with Bodylish is definitely in marketing and definitely in the manufacturing knowledge. So these two were wanted to get on board with this, so we decided to launch a new company and work the four of us together as partners um, with equal stakes in, in the business, you know, off getting it off the ground. And um, they've just made it. So, I, I, you know, that's part of why our packaging and our 
designing is so right on is because we've got a marketing expert that's helping us with that part. Um, and we're actually, um, we were in-house manufacturing the shampoo bars, but we know that this is a big idea. And um, so we've been looking into third-party manufacturers and with the help of our other business partner, you know, we've identified a really great manufacturer. So it's really the team of people has been perfect for this high bar launch. All the stars aligned. <laughs> I think that's such a great way to describe it because um, there are definitely, there's definitely value in realizing that you have people close to you that can really be experts and help you out in something that you could in theory do yourself, but you don't necessarily have to. And I think that's really, really powerful. Maybe it's because, I mean, I don't have any products of my own, of course, but um, I watch a lot of Shark Tank. So I feel <laughs> like I have some some idea of just the value in outsourcing things that you don't necessarily have to do yourself. And I think that's really powerful that you come from a friendship perspective as well before business partners, before right. you, because it makes it a lot more natural. And it's, it's, I'm sure it's easier to talk with them about issues or concerns you might have come to them with just a really open communication mindset right. as opposed to just an investor. Right. Well, and also, honestly, for High Bar, the mission to reduce plastic waste, starting with bathroom products, is like, you know, to have these other people be as invested in that is really great, too. That mission is makes High Bar really easy and clear because all your decisions go back to that. Like, you know, our mission is to reduce plastic. So what is the best route to get to mainstream? so that we can actually achieve our mission. You know, we want this, we want it to be a disrupting product, but we're absolutely fine if other companies re go to a, a solid model too, or have recycled bottles or some way of reducing plastic waste, because this is a really big problem and we got to do something about it. I think that that is such a powerful mindset to have when it comes to your product. Like it is okay that other people might eventually move towards a solid product or um, go more plastic free or whatever it might be, because I think it's so unique in a sense. Um, I think it's really, really important that we all kind of think about this plastic problem as everyone's problem. It's not right. like you going plastic free in general, like one person going plastic free is not preventing someone else from also being successful at it. And I think that's um, in the sustainability world, sometimes there's like almost a sense of competition, unfortunately. Like I, you know, like I remembered to bring my own bag and you did it right. or whatever it might be. Um, there's this kind of like ethical narcissism around it in a sense that yeah. you want to make sure that you're doing as great a job as you can. So when it comes to products that can truly disrupt our market, I think that is just like so admirable that you are aware that you can really influence other companies. Yeah, we hope to, you know, that's why. <laughs> uh, we got to get out there and, and like, get, you know, get this changing because people use, I think I read that um, the average person uses 20 products on their body every day for, you know, personal care. That's a lot of plastic bottles. And if everybody in your family is doing that, you know, you're just creating a lot of waste. And, um, and in the U.S., we actually have a recycling program. So it's probably not even as bad as it is in countries that where it ends up, you know on the side of the road or 
Yeah, and yeah, I recently read a, <laughs> We do. No, no, no. I recently read a statistic I was going to tell you on the topic of using something like 20 bottles a day. Um, I recently read a statistic that about a third of landfill waste is actually personal care products. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, which is really, really, really sad, especially because there are a lot of things that you can recycle that people don't necessarily take the time to recycle. Um, you know, like let's take like a traditional shampoo bottle if you are to properly rinse that out it's a plastic bottle that you can put right. in your recycling bin but people don't always make that connection that it's kind of the same as just anything else like in your kitchen that you would be recycling right. or whatever it might be well the other problem with that is plastic can only be recycled once so Correct. you know then it sits there forever anyway so really better different material is a better option but there aren't people you know there are not too many companies yet making products, giving you alternatives to the plastic bottle. So there, there'll be more of them. I saw a toothpaste in a little pod, which is an interesting concept. Yeah, these products are coming. I mean, people are asking for them and the market they is are. delivering. Yep. Demand is there. Nora, before I let you go today, is there a good way for people to get in contact with you if they have questions about your story? And like, how can everyone find Bodylish and High Bar? Well, we're on all sorts of social channels, Instagram and Facebook for both Bodylish and High Bar. And I'm happy to take any kind of emails, uh, Nora at Bodylish.com or Nora at HelloHighBar.com. Both of those work. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. This was really, really interesting for me. Thanks, Laura. It was interesting for me, too. Really a lot of fun. <laughs> You're a good question asker. <laughs> thank you. I try. <laughs> Before we go, I usually like to answer a question that I've received via DM or via email or in real life or whatever it may be. At the end of every episode of Eco Chic, I think it's a fun way to just address a question that maybe multiple people are wondering. And today's question actually comes from a conversation with my friend Emily, which I was really excited to talk about because we talked about recycling last week on the podcast. Well, we didn't talk about recycling, but the theme was 10 easy zero waste swaps. And one of the very basic things you could do, I always say, is just stop buying bottled water. It's so easy. You don't need it. And I also mentioned that unless you're living in Flint, Michigan, you really do not need to be drinking bottled water. And so something that Emily and I had a conversation about is actually that a lot of the bottled water that you are purchasing at a supermarket is less regulated than your tap water. I think this is a really important point because a lot of the time people don't realize that you are paying $4 a bottle or whatever it may be for water that is literally bottled out of the ground. Or there was also a big um, Nestle scandal kind of recently that they are literally bottling tap water. And there was a lot of kind of targeting to lower income or immigrant populations when it comes to that. So it's really just like a big scam in a sense bottled water for a lot of companies depending on where you live so i just kind of wanted to leave that out there leave that with a grain of salt if you are purchasing bottled water for the purpose of it being purer or making you have this sense of security or whatever it might be i hate to break it to you but that's really not the case if you are buying bottled water i hope you're recycling those bottles um, but also if you have to buy bottled water for whatever particular reason uh, more power to you. I hope you're just choosing to be eco-chic in other senses of your life, but you know, you do what works for you. But I just wanted to put out there that the regulation around bottled water is really not there and it's kind of a big sham. So not really a question this week, but a point of conversation continuing from last week's episode of eco-chic. And I love having these like really in-depth conversations with my friends. If you're interested in any like particular conversation that you'd like to hear, I would love to talk about it. 
I'm always looking for new like podcast guests or ideas or whatever it might be, especially because we do have six episodes coming out a month now. I have so many good guests lined up, but I'm like always looking for that next thing. I'm so excited about so many things that I want to talk about because I always like to say there's really nothing in our lives that operates outside of climate change or sustainability. Like really pick anything, any task, any event, whatever it might be, and you can relate it. So with that being said, I hope you guys have a really good day. I will see you later this week or I guess I will speak with you later this week. Um, please go ahead and follow us on Instagram at EcoChic Podcast to make sure that you can enter that bag giveaway for a Crescent bag. Again, limited edition, really cute, super tiny foldable and always easy to have on you. So I really like that. And I would love to talk to you either via email or via DM or whatever it may be. I'm always really excited to hear your feedback and any suggestions you may have for the podcast. I hope you have a really, really good day.